This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. You might call him the Reader's Digest of that aisle of books about being a better salesperson. Alex Dripjack, who began his sales career at Oracle, where he was the first person ever to be a sales manager and outside producer by the ripe old age of 25, has poured through dozens of the best-selling books about sales and then digested into his own book the 100 most critical skills to succeed. Mr. Dripjack talks about some of his best discoveries as well as what has made him a top salesman in this Biz News interview. You have uh, become almost the Human Reader's Digest. You've boiled stuff down from multiple sources into a new book. Of all the sales techniques that you uh, researched and decided what to put into the book and what to leave out, of the ones you put into the book, you've got six very basic ones. Would you tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about those? Sure. So um, what I did was as I was reading across, trying to really better myself, I read across 27 books and curated, consolidated, and collated a lot of what I found to be most applicable. And then six kind of key themes had emerged, as you as you just alluded to. Um, so those were mindset and strategy, presentation, meeting effectiveness, uh, then really kind of your internal um, development and your ability to help your team um, by keeping them informed and included in the process. And then Negotiation and persuasion, which I think a lot of people associate with sales, but it's not quite to the degree that people might think about it from an outside perspective. So that one's kind of uh, bringing up the rear in sixth place, if you will, for, for focus. Well, well, we might get into many of those as we have our conversation, but let's set the table for our listeners and viewers a little bit, if you wouldn't mind telling them a little bit about yourself, because you have achieved a lot in a fairly short amount of time. Well, thanks. I don't know about a lot, but uh, I'll, I'll cover some of the highlights. Um, so I have been at Oracle for a little over four and a half years where I was fortunate to be the uh, inaugural member of their class of program where they took college students from 15 different schools and put them in a sales position. Uh, from there, I was fortunate to be promoted several times and actually become a regional manager at 24 uh, and then an outside producer at 25. So I was the first one to, to be able to hold those two positions at that age. So it, it ex- I think what really is important there is it had exposed me to a lot of great methodologies and leading sales personnel being Oracle, one of the top tech companies in the world from an early age. So I got exposure to a lot of the, the best thinking uh, and then that really kind of opened my eyes. And then as I moved to Mercer uh, in 2017, I was able to cover a lot of different solutions. And the, the whole process was much more much different. It was at Oracle, it was a very formulaic sale. It was like, okay, we're gonna go out to these top five people, Oracle, Workday, SAP, yeah, um, uh, Ultimate Software and ADP, and we're gonna choose the best one. Whereas at Mercer, it's very relational. It's okay, you know, here are the people that are taking me out to lunch or dinner, and here are the people that I like the best. Let me pick one of those people. So I had this fundamental formulaic to relational difference. And that kind of opened my eyes of, okay, I need to also adapt some of my sales methodologies. So uh, that's why I became a voracious learner and reader. Um, as I mentioned, the 27 books mentioned in, in my book, uh, but also it's a, it's over 150 different expert opinions that I've been curating. So for a, a lot of salespeople, relationship selling is really the meat and butter or the bread and butter, I, I would suspect, <laughs> of, of their sales uh, uh, 
ability. Uh, but for people who need to turn a, a fast sale, is that still appropriate? It really depends on the context. Um, so now if you are in less complex sales where you're selling uh, maybe something that can be done over one or two calls, then sure, there's still the quick sale. But um, what I'm really involved in is are the complex sales. So most of what we do is brokerage. Uh, and then what I was doing private uh, previously would be technology sales. So you're talking anywhere six months to 18 month sales cycles. So for those people, you really shouldn't use any kind of fast tactics or close ended questions too early or any of those traditional closing techniques um, that you might have heard about in the 80s and 90s, because that's actually going to hurt you more than help you. So to answer your question, it really depends on the sale that you're in. What about uh, what you call salesy trigger words? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So um, this really inspiration came from I was meeting with the CFO uh, at one organization here in New York City. And at the end of the conversation, we had a you know very productive call or conversation with my executive leaders, his executive leaders. And he said, all right, I'm gonna, we're going to have another meeting. You want to know why? You passed my one checkpoint uh, that I always, people fall short of. And I go, oh, what's that? He goes, there's one phrase in particular that if I hear someone say it, they aren't allowed to meet with me ever again. And I'm like, wow, okay, what is it? And he said, to be honest with you. And I was like, yeah, that's a good one. Because he goes, yeah, what, what were you doing beforehand? Were you lying to me about other things? So it's one of those knee-jerk reflexives that a lot of people don't even recognize in their vernacular. So it, I put it in my book to help them spotlight, oh man, I need to really con you know, consciously move away from some of these terms. Um, so that was the, the reason behind why I have salesy trigger words in the book was that that story really illuminated to me, hey, People are looking for reasons to get you out the door, and um, these are the quickest way to, to shoot yourself in the foot. Well, that's a, a phrase that a lot of people use all the time in just everyday conversation. Yes, exactly. So trying to shift people from honest to transparent or frank or blunt, different words can go a very, very long way. And, and do exactly the opposite of what you're hoping that they would do, I would imagine. As to who your book is aimed at, is it to the beginning salesperson, somebody just starting their career, or somebody who's been in their career for a number of years? It's a good question. So I would say the way that it's conversational and some of the references are definitely going to be for a younger crowd. I would say under the age of 40 um, would be the predominant reader. But I would say it's really aimed as being this kind of mothership or launching point for college students and early graduates of, you know what, I want to get introduced to some sales uh, learnings and, and methodologies or processes, but uh, I'm not really sure where to start. So they can read my book and in the action items, there are a number of areas where it tells you to go and read somebody else's book. So a lot of greats are in there. Jeffrey Jittimer, Jill Conrath, Lee Sauls, Jer Jerry Acuff. Um, so there are a number of authors that are in there where you can go into more of the procedural methodical sales whereas mine's really skill-oriented. The skills you need to be successful in sales kind of demystify, destigmatize the profession for people who are considering sales. So it's, it's not a dark art that you have to learn at the stroke of midnight. No, exactly. We used to joke, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Doug. We used to joke at Oracle um, that some people were just so put off by us. They were so scared of us because I, they thought we were like some kind of you know, magician who's going to wave a wand and all of a sudden you're going to buy, you know, like you have no control over your life. So it's a running joke that, um, that people think, you know, we're some kind of wizards. 
Oh, don't you wish you could have found that wand? Uh, very few people ever major in sales in uh, college. What was your major and were you surprised to be recruited into a sales program? Uh, it's a fantastic question. Uh, and it's actually one of the, the funny reasons as to what inspired the book. But uh, I was in English and I had unofficial concentration in marketing and philosophy. So it's a very interesting um, mix, if you will, of how I became interested in sales. So I fought tooth and nail against sales. I was one of those people that's like, oh, I'm not salesy. I don't want to push. I don't want to close on people. It's not who I am. And so I had advertising and marketing internships every year of, uh, of college. And then I was getting some interviews and some offers there. And I was looking at them I'm like, ah, there's something missing. There's something missing. And I was being recruited by Oracle. Um, and I happened to walk by the career fair and I saw their banner in the corner. And I'm like, ah, Oracle. I'm like, I'm already interviewing with them. You know, I'm going to keep walking. I walk down the stairs, turn the corner. And I say, you know what? Can't hurt to go up and reintroduce myself. So I walk back up the stairs. I go in. Sure enough, I find out it's a completely different program. Uh, they're training you out in California. My brother lived in California at the time. It was actually a step up from the position that I was interviewing for. Uh, and then I saw the offer and, and how much it was. And I said, I guess, I guess it's going to be sales for me. It was uh, so much to the point that one of my roommates, every time I told him what I was interviewing for, for inter advertising or marketing, he would just look at me and go, so sales. And I'm like, no, not sales. And then sure enough, here I am eight years later writing a book about sales. So it's, uh, it's quite the pivot. What uh, sort of skills, speaking of uh, people who are just getting into the, into the uh, profession, what sort of skills should they have and what should they just kind of say, eh, that was nice to have had at one point? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I would say for my, my early graduates, the skill you're going to need to employ most often is resilience. Uh, sales is, if I'm just talking about a roller coaster ride, it's, it can be 95% um, just kind of slow or a little bit down or just kind of humdrum. And then there's those 5% of the, the peaks, you know, when you're going really fast and everything's great. So, you know, not to put people off too much, but there are definitely more lows than there are highs, but the highs are going to outweigh the lows for sure. So being resilient, understanding that the default are people that are not going to want to talk to you is, is where you're, you're going to, um, you're going to come into a lot of uh, resistance, if you will. So don't, don't get discouraged. Uh, don't get down. Understand that resiliency is the number one skill. So that would be my number one. Two uh, related things a lot of salespeople run into. One you just touched on, and that is an awful lot of doors slammed in your faces, phone calls not returned, blah, blah, blah. A lot of no's, in other words. How do you cope with what has to be the inevitable uh, depression that kind of follows all of that? Yeah, so I think that it's just really thinking about all of the high points you've had. Um, so the sales that you have made, seeing how you've been valuable to others and just really, like I said, try not to get discouraged from those downs because you recognize that this is a difficult profession and there's a number of people who don't want to do it, but at the end of the day, the rewards that you have, the incentives that you have, the potential earnings that you have um, really are valuable. And even from all of those, you know, turned away um, faces or shut doors, you're building skills there and those skills are transferable. So when you're building a transferable skill set with the opportunity to earn a lot, um, you're setting yourself a good foundation for your career. So whether or not you 
go into sales and decide it's for you for your entire career, or you decide, you know, I'm going to move into another uh, avenue, you still built a very, very valuable skill set. And that's shown by a number of C-suite executives who have kind of been up brought in, uh, in sales. Now, I touched on this with the previous question, but let me uh, go into it a little bit in greater depth. A lot of salespeople tell me they can't get into the person who makes the decision. How do you get to those decision makers? Do you bribe the secretaries with a bouquet of flowers or what? Yeah, that's, that's one methodology. And actually, Stu uh, Henke is a great cartoonist who has a lot of good ideas on how to get, get a meeting with anyone. He has a lot of create, creative ideas about how to really win over the receptionist. I would say I always try to pursue from what Anthony Iorino would say is the right, pursuing from where they perceive the most value to be. Whether that's inside my solution set or outside of, I try to always make those introductions that are going to bring direct value to them. So that's how I usually get in with the executives is I'm inviting them to a round table or some kind of uh, alliance where they're going to be meeting their peers, people that they want to talk to. And then I don't want to say it's indebted, but they feel like, wow, this person really brought value to me. They put themselves second to my agenda. This is someone I want to get to know. So I usually always try to pursue from what they're thinking about, how to drive revenue, how to save money. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be associated with my solutions. Now you've started a, what, a career academy about this? Tell us about that. Yeah, thanks. So uh, it's called Commence. It's this college to career academy where it is teaching all those things you wish you learned earlier. Oh man, I wish I knew about a Roth IRA, you know, when I was 19 years old or oh man, I, I really wish I understood how to network and I can't just be asking people for jobs. I need to be asking for advice, recommendations, insights. So trying to teach students all the things that they haven't learned in school that they're going to need in the rest of their professional life. So professional, social, and financial well-being. So it's 11 skills that we're partnering with colleges and corporations to bring them this, uh, this kind of life onboarding, if you will, as this, they transition from college and into their career. Sounds like that might have even given, given you a bit of a head start. Yeah, well, I was fortunate uh, in my upbringing. I was, I was fortunate to have uh, a dad who was in finance. So he, he taught me all about the importance of Roth IRAs and HSAs um, and just how basically you're never earning zero because of inflation. If you're doing nothing with your money, it's negative two really on average. So sitting and doing nothing is actually losing your money. So you need to make up that difference and you need to find the investment income to, to make your life easier. Compound your life. The earlier you start, the more you're going to be able to safeguard your success. Uh, tell our listeners and viewers the name of the book again. The name of the book, I actually have it right here. Uh, is I am surprised. Oh, no. There you go. 100 Skills of the Successful Sales Professional, Your Guidebook to Establishing and Elevating Your Career. Now, is there a place folks could get in touch with you? Perhaps you have a website. Yes. So there's actually a couple of websites. So there's 100salesskills.com, which will have the book and some of um, the, the readers who have offered some of their uh, insights about the book and some additional articles that are related to the book. So furthering your education, your learning. So we're all about here. And then there's also commenceyourcareer.com, which is the College to Career Academy. So you can get in touch with me either one of those ways. And then, of course, on, on LinkedIn at Alex Stripchak or Commence. And Instagram, we are, are you workforce ready? Uh, Alex, what would you like to add that we have not had a chance to talk about yet? Could be anything. Thanks for the floor. Um, I would really just say that 
everything in life is much easier when you're starting early. So I know a lot of students are, eh, nobody else is doing that. I'll be fine. You know, I'm not worried about that. I'll, I'll, I'll learn about how to invest at 25 or 30 or 40 years old. What we don't realize is just, it's not that you're putting it off 10, 15, 20 years. You're actually decreasing your ability to earn and learn by not one or twofold, but four, six, eightfold. So the earlier you start, like I said, you're going to be able to safeguard your success. So I think that that's my main tip would be anybody who's putting something off right now, just jump in. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.